I think the moment was uh, a really good friend of mine who got married and she went to India and she just had a very, it was like an experience that I think she still has PTSD from it, <laughs> where she couldn't, she had several bridesmaids, she couldn't find the exact color, like enough of the same fabric in the color that she wanted, she was mm -hmm. like running around to different fabric vendors, the tailor that she was working with was just a straight up an asshole, and then yeah, I don't think by the time she went back to the US, she I don't think she even had the outfits in her hands. So she had to have someone else who was staying there longer or someone who was going there in the future to pick up the clothes and bring it back. And then when she got the outfits, it wasn't what she wanted. You're listening to Foreign Founders, where we tell stories of immigrant and international founders who are working tirelessly to shape the future. We share stories of their upbringing, culture, and background, and explore the companies and products they're building. We want to highlight these founders because these are stories that are often not told. Thank you for joining us. Today, I have an amazing guest, Tanya Kator, a first-generation Indian-American. She is the innovative founder and CEO of West by East, a trailblazing brand that blends tradition with innovation. She's created the world's first AI-powered platform for custom-fit cultural clothing, gaining recognition in publications like Brides and Vogue. With a double business degree from St. Louis University and a fashion education from Condé Nast College, she's helped an emerging designer brand now available at Bergdorf Goodman in Saks Fifth Avenue. Tanya is deeply entrenched in the startup ecosystem, earning fellowship and grants, and her mission centers on elevating cultural expression. I'm so happy to have you here, Tanya. Thanks for having me. So I like to get started off with your background and your childhood. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago to immigrant parents from South India. My religious background is Catholic. And from a very young age, I held my culture and religion close to my heart. Growing up, I found myself in a predominantly white neighborhood where I often felt like I didn't quite fit in. I think it's a familiar narrative for many first generation or third culture kids. And my brother and I attended Catholic school where we were the only students of color. <laughs> and unfortunately, we both experienced various forms of racism, including verbal and physical altercations. However, I was fortunate enough to never be embarrassed by my skin color or my skin tone and my Indianness. Thanks to my parents' guidance, they like deeply instilled in us a sense of pride in our roots and always reinforcing our ancestral heritage. And I think despite the challenges I faced, I learned early on that life isn't always fair. And if I want something, I need to fight for it. <laughs> yeah. When you said pride in your Indianness, what were you doing at home? Were your parents cooking the food? Were you speaking the language? Like, how did you maintain that pride in the culture? Yeah, I was born in Chicago. But at the age of two, I was sent to India with my grandparents, which was, I think, one of the best times ever. I get to like hang out and at the farm and like all my friends were the animals. <laughs> And so my first language was not English, it was Malayalam. And then I came back to the States. And I think this happens to a lot of immigrant parents when they move to a different country, whether it's North America or Europe, Australia, they try to like hold on to their culture and heritage like so strongly. <laughs> that is to a point, it's a little extreme at times, I think. But yeah, I ate a lot of Indian food. I did a lot of dancing. I was part of the Indian Catholic community. 
I was just heavily immersed in all of that. And I always felt like I was part of something and everyone accepted me because everyone also looked like me. And then from there, also with your childhood, what were your parents doing? What were their occupations? My mom was, she's a nurse, she's still working. And my dad worked for, he was a blue collar job, worked at a steel company as a forklift driver. Hmm. That's a really interesting. It's not uncommon as an immigrant or first generation story, but I'm always really curious about how that background really led to where you are today. Like, were you always thinking about starting your own business or becoming a founder? Was that early in your childhood? So my upbringing, I think I was deeply influenced by dance, particularly Bharatanatyam. It's a classical dance form similar to, it's like the Valley of India. And it's more than just a form of expression. It became my safe haven. So my dance teacher played a pivotal role in like broadening my perspective and introducing me to textile, music, makeup, and understanding the diversity of traditions across different regions of India. I was so like, I think I didn't meet my first non-Indian Catholic person until I went to dance class. There were Hindus, there were Jains, Sikhs, and I never celebrated Diwali, but every year I got to witness and be part of it at my dance teacher's house. Yeah, I think I was always fascinated by different cultures. I remember in high school, all my friends were uh, first generation from the Middle East or Africa because we all just understood each other. And then in college, I double majored in business and minored in Spanish. I lived in Madrid and London. These specific cities are known for fashion. I would go to, well, in Madrid, I would go to like the poshest clubs and everyone looked like they walked out of a, a runway or a fashion magazine. Then in London, I attended the College of Fashion and Design and went to my first fashion show. It was Jenny Peckham. Mm -hmm. She's known for her evening wear gowns. And this was in 2013. Yeah, and I was just mesmerized by the whole production of it. From yeah. like the lighting, everyone who was in attendance, the models, the clothes. And then in 2014, I went to India and attended Fashion Week in Mumbai and Delhi. And that was, were you in the fashion industry then or were you a participant? I was like getting my feet wet okay. around that time. I also interned and I, I was like the first assistant for an emerging designer who, what you had mentioned, like now she's carried up Rudolph Gribbon, Saks Fifth Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. I think I always had a fascination with fashion and like the library other than dance the library was my other safe haven <laughs> and i would just like flip through several magazines like Vogue, harper's bazaar l in style it was like my hobby and then when i went to india with my parents i would pick up vogue india harper's bazaar india grazia india and i think i unknowingly like manifest my future in the fashion industry at a very young age yeah so the cultural aspect that you connected with your family, traveling to India and dance that you're really passionate about, and the fascination with the whole other like fashion world from Europe to India, all of this connected together in a very unique way. And before we get into West by East, because I would love to hear about that founding story, can you tell a little bit more about, as a first-generation Indian American founder, what were the challenges that you faced the most? I embraced my heritage. I wanted everyone around me to embrace it as well. I always wanted to marry culture and fashion and make it my thing. But 
I think my parents struggled to understand what I was doing. And in turn, I struggled because I moved to New York in 2015 with absolutely no money, no support. I slept on a friend's couch in Midtown and slept on the floor of a Brooklyn apartment. I did random jobs until I got my feet up and could rent a room in Bushwick, Brooklyn for a few years. It was really tough. But in hindsight, it made me stronger and more resilient. Mm-hmm. And then in 2017, I met my husband. I planned like this grand wedding for 2020. Mm-hmm. And I used my wedding as a marketing point to launch West by Eve, which was not easy to pull off. But yeah, that gained a lot of traction and was nationally recognized by major fashion magazines like Over the Moon by Vogue and Brides and Brides Today India. But like, yeah. I don't think any of that would have happened if I didn't have like that long period of time of just hardship and feeling like I had no one there for me. I really did everything on my own. I didn't have any help or support. Yeah, you revealed one of the most fascinating stories too about using your wedding to launch your company. But stepping back a little bit, what is West by East? West by East is cultural clothing at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. My mission is to elevate cultural expression. Our customers can virtually personalize their outfits, get the perfect fit by taking two pictures from their phone, and then we ship it to their doorsteps. The outfits are made for you, made to last. Uh, I found a way to bridge two worlds of like the new age with technology and the old age of craftsmanship and bring it all together. And you mentioned in one of the videos I saw online, you said in your own words, there are currently three chaotic options to source garments for clothing, right? Can you describe those three options that prior to West by East, if a family is holding an Indian wedding, what would they have to do? The number one option is to trip back to the motherland, which is obviously very expensive because the flight itself can be too grand. And then you have to take time off from school or work. And then once you get there... Folks like me, first generation, beyond first generation, second, third, I like to call us like third culture kids. It's not easy to navigate a foreign country if you haven't been living there. You have to rely on someone to take you around. A lot of times you're trying not to get ripped off because they're going to, you can't speak the language, so they're going to know that you're NRI, non-residential Indian. And then even trying to describe what you want, or even if I simply sketch something out and like fill it in with colors, there's just too much room for interpretation for a tailor to understand what I exactly want. And a lot of times, It was nothing that I envisioned. It was a completely different color, completely different silhouette. And then I'm just arguing with this old man. (laughs) (laughs) And he's pretty much like, well, it's too late because you're going back to New York tomorrow and I already have your money. (laughs) So I'm like, okay. And I'm just stuck. Yeah. Uh, like the ma- number one option. The second option is going to Edison, Jersey or Dubon, Chicago, the local options. But those mm-hmm. posts are usually outdated and incredibly marked up and not size inclusive. It's like, I don't think they have XXXL large or I don't even think they have extra, extra large. And then the last So option, you would show up to this a wedding in something that's like maybe five years or six years older in terms of yes. style. Yeah. <laughs> Unless like you had family or you had the opportunity to go to the back to the motherland in the past yeah. year past two years yeah and then the last option that you're saying yeah the last option is shopping online i think it's gotten a lot better i would avoid etsy because you will they're scammers (laughs) i've seen other scammers 
Like what because kind of scams do you see? I've seen West by East pictures on other Etsy brands. You, they're using our pictures, but they never they never created those outfits. West by East created those. Wow. Yeah, and then like there's something called the WhatsApp tailors. People that they've used, they connect like, hey, use this person. You send pictures, measurements. Sometimes yeah. the outfit never even shows up, but you already paid, or it looks nothing like what you've sent the reference image. But there are other players out there that's it's a lot better, and they're bringing designers just like there's fashion in New York, Milan, Paris, London, there's Fashion Week in South Asia, um, East Asia, Africa, Middle East. And so there are Indian designers that are showcasing in the U.S. and having a bigger presence. Yeah. And for you, when you look at those three options, what was the moment that you're like, I want to create or I need to create West by East? I think the moment was uh, a really good friend of mine who got married and she went to India and she just had a very, it was like an experience that I think she still has PTSD from it, <laughs> where she couldn't, she had several bridesmaids. She couldn't find the exact color, like enough of the same fabric in the color that she wanted. She was mm-hmm. like running around to different fabric vendors. The tailor that she was working with was just a straight up an asshole. And then, yeah, I don't think by the time she went back to the U.S., she I don't think she even had the outfits in her hands. So she had to have someone else who was staying there longer or someone who was going there in the future to pick up the clothes and bring it back. And then when she got the outfits, it wasn't what she wanted. There was like no lining in the blouses. So you have to add lining. Well, the bridesmaids have to add lining. I was lazy. I never added lining. And then I got completely scratched up after the wedding. And yeah, so... (laughs) And that, what year was that? This was like 2017, I think. Yeah. So between 2016, between 2016 and 2020, when you did the West by East launch at your wedding, what was that time process? What do you do between those times? Yeah, initially we were trying to bring designers from South Asia to the U.S. Pakistani designers, Indian designers, they're like high end. And I did a pop-up shop and it was a failed pop-up shop because no one had money to spend thousands of dollars. So the price point was a major issue. And then I had customers tell me, hey, will the designers do something customized for me, like in a different color or add sleeves? And I would go back to the designers and ask them and they would just flat out say no. And then a lot of the clothes were, we only had sizes two to six. We had a lot of customer, potential customers who came in were above a size six. So there were just a lot of issues. And then I realized I really have to build this like in-house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Build the in-house, but not only that, have the technology component to it. Can you tell more about like what came first? building the in-house, building the technology where I think online, you're basically saying, you know, two pictures, you can do a full body scan. And then from there, you can layer on different designs. It's basically like a customizable shopping experience for your customers. Yeah. Well, let me tell you the story of what happened after my wedding. So after my yeah. wedding, the pandemic hit. <laughs> yeah. And then I had to shut down production for three months. And I continued to pay the team in India. <laughs> Uh, then I realized weddings are recession proof and I kept getting customer orders. So we eventually started back up again. And then we did in between, we did like an iFund woman crowdfunding campaign because there was a mm-hmm. second wave of the pandemic that was even worse that hit India. <laughs> And then in um, 2020, I figured out how to, I was thinking about AI back in 2020, but in 2022, I figured out how to incorporate the AI tailor into the business model. So our customers don't have to find a tailor to take their measurements or have their significant other or friend, whoever it is, take their measurements because it was never 100% accurate. So yeah, that's how I incorporated the AI tailor. At this point with West by 
East. Did you take any fun external funding? This year, I raised a pre-seed round and now getting ready to launch a new and I like to say reimagined West by East. It's yeah. a new business model. We did a rebrand with Bottle Patel from Super Spicy Studio. She did Kofi Beauty's uh, branding that carried at Sephora. She also did Coconut Chai's branding. They have almost a cult-like following in New York. And I think everything she touches does really well. AI is not cheap. So you were basically building this with your internal team, with money that you made and also like your own money? Yeah. So, well, the AI tailor that we're using right now is an API. So it's a lot cheaper than building yeah. it from scratch. However, we are building our own version because there are several AI tailors out there. I've tried all of them and none of them fit my need. I realize it's because all these companies don't come from luxury fashion or design. <laughs> And don't know how to serve their customers, if that makes sense. Uh, they're all techies, which is they're great. They, they know how to code and build it. Yeah. But, you know, like the end result needs to be a seamless process for any brand or a tailor to integrate it into their system. Yeah, they're really good at that vision technology of getting it. But the one step further of like actually incorporating to a workflow is not yeah. right, is what you're saying. Nah, no. Okay. So 2016, you had the inception of the idea. You were experimenting with different things with West by East. You basically launched this version at your wedding in 2020. Then COVID hit, but then you realized that weddings are recession-proof and you continue to build this company with the AI component into it. So anyone can go get an accurate measurement and then in the platform, design their clothing and get it shipped to them directly. What's next for... West by East. You mentioned that there's going to be a relaunch. Why did you decide to do a relaunch of West by East? We haven't spent any money on marketing. We've grown organically. One customer brings us three more, which is wonderful. Like very little social media, like we post here and there on Instagram. And well, now that we actually have venture capital, I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> Let's do this properly because I think there was like another podcast that I was listening to and it was the founder of Bobby. She said that like it's 60% of building a brand is the branding itself, 60%. Mm -hmm. And then the other 40% is just over delivering to your customers. So I realized 60% is obviously a lot more important than just serving our customers. So I think it's time that we put in money into doing the whole rebrand. Yeah, but you are getting a brand pull though. You said one customer, you know, shares with three and then that yeah. is already exponential, you know, if yeah. you do it multiple, multiple, multiple times. And I know you just said you didn't spend marketing dollars, but when people think about, oh, I want a dress for my wedding, my Indian wedding, I would think about West by East. Those behaviors are already happening, right? You're basically saying you want to accelerate more of that. You want to make it. Yeah, I want to accelerate more of that. So that's all the front end. The back end, we're also... the manufacturing component we're trying to see right now if we can partner up with optimized manufacturing units that have they're using like automated cutting machines so that we can shorten that time of production and then deliver the garments faster than we're doing right now right now it can take anywhere between six to eight weeks but the goal would be i think the magic number is one week 
Yeah. And the reason being is because people don't plan ahead of time. And we've consistently gotten customers coming to us one week before an event, whether it's Diwali. Diwali was crazy. Diwali, weddings. A lot of times guests who are going to weddings and they're not even South Asians, non-South Asian folks who don't even think about it. And they're just like, I need a quick fix and like a 24 hour fix. <laughs> but we can't do that because this is custom made to measure. We don't, we're not there yet, but that's the goal. Yeah. It's custom made to measure, but it has to get shipped halfway across the world. Yeah. Too. I mean, we work with DHL. They ship within three business days. So that's not a problem. It's it, it. like, it would be amazing if we can get it to produce one outfit in a day, in yeah. one day, and then yeah. we can ship it the next day. Yeah. That would be, it's a wedding, but people or any cultural event, but people are still last minute planners. Yeah. And always. You're basically helping them not make yeah. a mistake there. So you said you got a pre-seed funding uh, yeah. this year. Congratulations. Um, and you. you're thinking about bringing up that timeline for seed funding. What was your experience like raising money for the Yeah, company? I don't think I ran an effective fundraising process. I will do that for the next round for sure. I ran it in tranches because I couldn't step away for a long time from the team. I recently built out a leadership team. I have a head of ops, a head of product, a head of engineering. And for me to just like step away for a long period of time, it was like, I don't think my team felt comfortable for me to do that. So it was like a lot of times coming in and working on strategy, operations, and then I'll like go back out there and raise funding and then I'll do the same thing <laughs> back mm -hmm. and forth for a bit. But I mean, it worked out. And then, you know, every time I got money, I would be like, okay, now we're focusing on the rebrand. Now we're working on the website. Now we're, I'm hiring another person, you know, like yeah. it was just like, I'm getting things done, yeah. um, but it just took longer than expected. So you're basically saying the last round you were... Raising in tranches, so the timeline was extended. And that means if you were to do it again, or you will do it again, you basically want to be like time boxed, focused fundraising. Correct. And then once yeah. you're done, you hit that goal, then you yeah. can move on to the next thing rather than break it up into different parts. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Are you ready for the last couple of questions? Yeah, sure. What's next for West by East? Well, I kind of just told you about the whole rebrand, launching the new website. I'm just really excited for everyone to see the whole new look, feel, and messaging. Yeah. I think, and then for me, is making sure, like ROI means uh, return on impact. <laughs> and I'm making a real impact for folks who want to celebrate these momentous occasions. And I'm hoping these customers are having an amazing experience. And yeah, we continue to over-deliver. And we just kind of really do lean into that organic growth of the word of mouth because these mm -hmm. are small little pockets of communities, but very strong communities and everybody talks. And I hope we grow quickly so that I don't have to keep raising funding. <laughs> and the company just, you know, self-sustain itself. That would be a dream. But yeah. Yeah. Do you think about going to other cultures, cultural clothing? Yeah. The next would be East Asian um, okay. and then African and Middle Eastern. And I would hire design experts from these regions. And it's just, it's a similar model. We just add on more silhouettes and different fabric options. And yeah, and then reach out to those customers. Yeah. Well, my wife and I were visiting my family in Japan. And then while we're there, we're probably going to do like a Japanese wedding pictures. <laughs> so, oh, amazing. If you can deliver in by December. <laughs> <laughs>
we won't be there. But give us like a few more months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Last question. What are you optimistic about? I'm optimistic about personalization. Any sort of customization provides exclusivity and an, it's an extension of your personality. Mm-hmm. And not ultra customization, but semi-customization where we have perimeters. So the end results will still be very tasteful. <laughs> But yeah, I think that's what the future will be. Mm-hmm. And the future that you're building. People want to learn more about you or reach out to you or order through West by East. What's the best way? Where do you want to direct them? The website, the new website will be up and running in the new year, westxeast.com, pronounced West by East. And then you can follow us on all the social media platforms. Same thing at West by East, TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest. Those are where most of our customers come from. <laughs> and then you can also follow me and follow my journey i don't really post that often but i i know i need to yeah your head's down building yeah no time correct. posting yeah well thank you so much tanya it was really awesome to hear about your story and west by east thank Thanks you for, for joining the show thank you so much for listening if you found this valuable you can subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, spotify or any of your favorite podcast app one more thing foreign founders is a new podcast so please consider leaving a rating or review That helps more people find the show. See you on the next episode.